Hello everyone and welcome to the Dear Future Hubby podcast. I am your host Teresa Reese and y'all know how we do it. I am going to read a poem from my book of poetry entitled A Strong-Willed Mind Healing Scars Over Time Through My Poetry. And just a little sidebar, um, I didn't really realize this, but as I've been reading the poems that I wrote many years ago, truly, in a lot of these areas, I have been healed. And so although I wrote it believing that in writing it, I would become healed, Now I'm on the opposite side of it and I am healed. So I'm grateful for the experience, but I'm also grateful for the revelation that by his stripes, I am healed. And by each line and each precept and each word that I wrote in my book of poetry, now I'm on the opposite end of the pain and And a lot of these poems, when I read them to you all, I am healed. So I'm so grateful. I'm grateful that I'm able to see it from the other side of the perspective because it was so painful to relive those moments when I was writing the book. But now I see what happens when you truly just trust the process. So I hope that one or many of the poems that I have since read thus far, that they have touched the lives of whomever has listened to them, that you've been able to glean from them, that you've been able to relate to some of them, and that you are able to see that weeping may endure for a night, but yes, joy cometh in the morning. So I hope that y'all are having a blessed and wonderful day. So let me get started, shall we? (laughs) I just had that moment and I just wanted to like say it and talk about it real quick before I lost that train of thought. So the name of this poem is entitled, Let's Communicate. And it says, I know that I told you my expectations of this relationship in the very beginning, but now we're suddenly having problems. And I am not content with this because you claimed that you wanted the same things. It seems that you haven't been very honest with me. When I ask you questions, you avoid eye contact. Now, what is really up with that? When I want to discuss this, you become easily distracted. Do you do this thing on purpose? Your cell phone gets way more attention. We really need to come up with a solution to this lack of communication problem. When you start to avoid me, It makes me feel like you're hiding something. I don't want you to be misunderstood. So let me get these thoughts out of my head. Please sit down, relax, and relate. Take some time out with me. Let's go on a date. This is really important to me. So let's take time out to communicate. So yeah, let's talk about communication on today. (laughs) Shall we? 
shall we, shall we? So I just kind of wanted to bring up the definition of some of the things I'll be talking about today because I just felt like it's really, really important to have communication. And the definition for communication, it's a means of sending or receiving information. It is also a way of successfully conveying or sharing ideas and feelings. Now let's see what condescending, what the definition is for that. It is having or showing a feeling of patronizing superiority, acting in a way that shows a superior attitude. An example, a parent who speaks to her grown child as if he or she were still a toddler. I'm gonna give another example. An adult who speaks to another adult as if they are still a child or their child. Patronizing. Apparently kind or helpful, but betraying a feeling of superiority, also condescending. So I kind of wanted to talk about communication because sometimes I feel as if this is one area that can truly be lacked or that we lack in when it comes to expressing ourselves, whether it be in work relationships, <laughs> physical relationships, friendships, all of that. So I, um, yeah, I just figured that this would be a good subject to touch upon because there is a way, I believe there's a healthy way to communicate. And then there's an unhealthy way to communicate. And when I look at some of my past relationships, uh, I didn't get an A a lot of those times. To be quite honest, I was very, very, very mean. There were things that I said that it's a, it's a miracle that I am still here living and breathing. Because had I said those same things to someone else, that someone else probably with not the living daylights out of me uh, could have potentially taken my life. I was just very bold in my communication, but I wasn't bold in the sense that I should pat myself on the back. No, I was bold in the sense that I need to be thanking and grateful and so very glad that God has grace and mercy bestowed upon me daily. I remember there was one particular incident where there was a person who was trying to speak to me, like just, you know, get to know me, date me. And he was constantly pursuing me. And he, after like attempting about, I'm just gonna exaggerate for a moment, we're gonna say about 10 times. It's probably less than that, but it seemed like it was about 10 times. <laughs> so, he pulls me to the side one day and says, why won't you give me a chance? I'm telling you about the old me, okay? <laughs> I'm telling you about the old me. Let me just put that announcement out here, okay? Because what I'm about to say 
you may put your, your fist over your mouth after I'm done. So I'm telling you about the old me. I've come a very long way, okay? But whew, when he said, why won't you give me a chance? My response back then was, have you taken a look at yourself in the mirror lately? And then I had the audacity to look at him up and down as if to ensure that he felt every word that came out of my mouth. And it wasn't until a long time afterwards that I realized this man could have punched me in my mouth. This man could have turned my beauty into ashes. This man could have really, really, really hurt me. But it was the grace of God that kept me. There was another incident where um, I was dating someone and I literally had the audacity. He was saying something. Oh, I know what it was. We were going through this little situation in our relationship where I didn't really trust him and he didn't really trust me. That should have been enough sign, right? For us to go our separate ways. But no, <laughs> we didn't let it stay there. We just kept on, you know, we should have just like ended it right then and there. But no, we proceeded in the relationship. And I remember being so upset with him one day that I literally said, and I compared him with someone else. One of my other exes, and I was like, I don't even know why I'm tripping like this. It ain't like you're no, we're going to put another statement in between there. I'm going to say, just for the sake of this, <laughs> it's recorded, I'm going to give you the comparison. It was like me saying, it ain't like you're a Denzel Washington. <sighs> I could have probably lost my life that day too. Um, I pretty much almost did because... We were on the highway when I said this, and I was in the front seat, and he was in the back seat. And he pulled that seat from the front all the way to the back, looked me dead in my eyes, and said, If you ever say that again, I'll kill you. Thank God for his grace and his mercy. So I think back on the moments that I was just very difficult, where I was just so rude, and where I was blatantly disrespectful. None of these people did anything to me to warrant how I communicated to them, the bad way that I communicated to them. Because even if I wasn't interested in the young man, I still could have edified him. I still could have let him know, you know how like that famous comment, it's not you, it's me. I could have said that. That would have been a whole lot better than, have you taken a look at yourself in the mirror lately? I mean, that was wrong on so many levels. Trust me, I've repented. I've repented so many times about that comment. Because I still, now that I have a conscience, because back then I don't think I did. But now that I do have a conscience and I found my conscience, I'm constantly, <laughs> I'm just constantly saying, Lord, oh, forgive me for that comment. And I really hope he's doing well. I hope he's happily married. I hope he has beautiful children. I hope he found the love of his life. If I were to see him tomorrow, I would not know who he was. But at the same time, I wish him well. But it's literally the way that we communicate that can make or break an individual. And there are a lot of people in this world that when we were 
younger, there may have been a teacher, there may have been a bully, there may have, now that I'm thinking about it, that was very bullyish of me to make a comment like that. But it's like, there may have been someone in our life that said something that truly destroyed or broke our spirit. And whether they did it consciously or unconsciously, it had an impact on the decisions that we made afterwards. And so when it comes to relationships, sometimes we may be guilty of having a hard time trusting someone in a relationship because of who we dealt with prior to, who didn't know how to communicate, who would tell us that they were going to hang out with the homies. And then two o'clock in the morning, they come strolling in and they weren't even the homies where we're thinking it's the dudes. It was a whole bunch of girls or the homie was not even or homies was not plural. It was just one particular person. And that one particular person was the girl. And so um, that form of communication, that way of communicating could be detrimental to us if we don't recognize it if we don't recognize it okay so this is a soul wound one that i haven't addressed one that i haven't tried to figure it out this is now a trigger so when i hear homies you may really truly in the new relationship your homies may really truly be just men and vice versa for the women it may be just women but i'm talking about the men right now because i'm you know waiting for my future hubby so i'm gonna talk to that but anyway <laughs> so you're you know your hub you're i'm hold on y'all let me get my thoughts together because i got a little excited thinking about my future hubby okay let me let me calm down okay <laughs> so your homies could truly be strictly men but because of a past trauma or a past incident or a past relationship where the ex said homies and it was really females now whenever you're saying I'm going over to the homies that could be a trigger for me that could be a trigger for her it could be I mean it could, oh my goodness triggers can be so much they could be so much like I found out one of my triggers because I lost custody of my three older children when they were eight four two and I didn't realize until I started entering into just friendships. They weren't relationships, like, you know, I wasn't dating them. I was, it was just friendships. But I started to notice that even in the course of me having conversations, if I was asked something about my older children, I would only go so far because to go even deeper, would it would become a trigger for me. Like I would become very emotional, very, um, just really emotional and then easily irritated. And so it wasn't until I went to counseling that I realized that that was a trigger for me. And part of the reason I know now that that was a trigger for me is because of how I lost my children. And so because of how I lost my children, a shame, rejection, um, all these negative undertones were attached to it. Judgment, um, criticism, just a, a whole bunch of negativity was attached to how I lost my children to where whenever someone would ask me about it because I had not processed the entire situation, whenever I was asked about it, it would become a trigger and my tone would go from very mellow to defensive. 
And I started recognizing it because I started noticing how my, you know, I get the knot in my throat because I'm about to break down crying or whatever. So that's when I started realizing this is a trigger for you. You can't, this is not a sub, it's almost like a subject that I have to bring up. But when someone else brings it up, it could actually be a trigger. So I've been working on that because even though I lost custody of my children, what I had done subconsciously, I had allowed the opinions of others to formulate in my mind to where those became the still the voices in my head, really, to where I kept hearing what they were saying about me, the opinions of what they were saying about me. And so I connected that to my children. So it, it left a level of um, shame attached with them. And even though I'm not, I'm not shameful of my children, I'm not, you know, there's no shame of me having none of that. But because of the process of what I went through in losing them, all of that negativity was attached to it. So much was attached to it that it was just easier for me not to have a conversation about that so that those negative emotions would not resurface. And so I've been working on that purposely because it's still a part of my story. And I remember someone saying, literally, I wrote it down. I wrote it down. What did he say? He said, Ed Milet, he said, your mess does not disqualify you. And so I was glad that I heard that because for the longest time, I felt as if that's what people had put in the atmosphere concerning me. Oh, she's an unfit mother. Oh, she's this. Oh, she's that. Oh, she's not responsible. All these labels, all of these negative labels to where I started to do everything I could to debunk that lie. But it was a process that left me wounded in that area. And so in order for me to heal, I just pretty much sometimes you just got to forgive the offender. You just I mean, not sometimes you really should, but I just had to forgive the offender. I was like, Lord Jesus, forgive them for they know not what they do or say concerning me. That's their experience. That's not how the story has to end. That's their experience. That does not define who I am. And so if you don't stick around long enough to see how the story ends, that may be the only conclusion that you draw. That's not my problem. And so once I recognized that, then I was able to detach from that being such a major trigger. Now I'm able to talk about it, discuss it, all of that, because it's a part of my story. It happened to me. It's a part of my truth. And for me to be able to talk about it, that's what also helps me to heal. However, back to communicating. So one of the reasons why I feel that communication is important is because had communication been something that was implemented in certain relationships, I don't believe that they would have ended the way that they've ended in your life or in mine. But sometimes because we cannot formulate how it is that we feel at a given moment or because we are not wanting to convey how it is that we feel because we're just pissed off. However it works, communication is still key. Nonverbal communication is still communication. But if we can learn how to speak the truth in love, I may not be attracted to someone, but just because I'm not attracted to someone, I don't have to tear them all the way down to where they feel like no one will ever desire them. That's wicked. That's evil. And that was terrible of me. 
Even if I'm not into a person, even if you're not into a person, there's still a way that you can still build them up without, and also let them know, you know, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> so you can also let them know that the feelings are not mutual, that you do not wish to proceed in a romantic relationship with them. However, you can point out the, the qualities that you do see. The fact that the person is constantly, per, you know, pursuing you. Oh my goodness. You know, you're very diligent. That's a wonderful quality to have something, something positive, but to leave someone with a wound like that and then expect them to be okay. That's just not fair. And I did it. I did it so many times that, um, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm very grateful for God's grace and mercy. Now I operate differently because now I tell the truth. I just tell the truth. I just feel like it's better that way. So, but I, I, I try to choose my words in such a way that the person is not, you know, limping when they walk away from the conversation. I try to choose my words in a way that is like, okay, I, I can see your point of view. You're not ready, you know, and that was back then. Now it's not that I'm not ready to date. I just know that I'm waiting for the right one. Like, I don't want to do speed dating. That's not, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be dating this person and dating that person. And so I don't know, maybe I'm still living in a fantasy world and maybe over time that'll change, but I don't want to do the speed dating. I really, really don't. I kind of want to date maybe one person or two people, just kind of figure it out. But I think the more that I'm by myself and the more that I'm doing the work, the more I'm just starting to realize, girl, you getting older, your, your taste, your taste has shifted. The quality of person that you desire has shifted. Like I now realize that whoever God is sending to me, molding for me, he's going to have to be patient because I require patience. <laughs> I just know that about myself. I know that about myself. Like today, earlier today, my child and I, because so my, my, one of my children, one of my babies is high functioning autistic, my baby baby. And so she had asked me, she said, mom, after you get off work, can we please go to the store? So if you know anything about autistic children, um, well, my child, I'm going to speak to my child, but my understanding is that when it comes to autism, um, the children have a tendency to, you have to stay, first of all, you have to have a routine. Not only do you have to have a routine, if you promise them something, it has to manifest. You cannot say that you're going to do something and it doesn't happen because you'll never hear the end of it. And so I have to time everything around the words that come out of my mouth concerning her to ensure that it gets done when I say it's going to get done. Because if it doesn't get done, this part of communicating too, if it doesn't get done in the time that she wants it done, all I hear is mama, I'm ready, mama, I'm ready, mama, I'm ready, mama, I'm ready until it is done. And so we were at, we were, we had went to the store because she wanted to go get her little snacks or whatever. So we went to the store and I noticed like when I was getting ready, I required her to be patient. When she, I actually had her prep and be ready before I got off of work. So that way that wouldn't be an issue. So then when we get to the store, I noticed how as soon as I grabbed everything that I needed in the store, 
I was like, okay, I'm ready. And then I turned into the, I'm ready, I'm ready. <laughs> I turned into the like, what else do you need to get? Because I'm ready. And what it was, I left my home already tired. And so I really didn't want to get out and go anywhere at all. So I was already a little irritable because I didn't want to be out. I wanted to, this is what I really wanted to do. I really wanted to log off and climb in my bed. That's what I really wanted to do. So I had to step out of my comfort zone. I had to mentally prepare myself in order for me to get ready, in order for me to prepare to go outside in the public, to go drive. I had to do all of this. I had to mentally prepare myself for because I was already tired. So once I we got to our destination, I knew that I only wanted to spend no more than 20 minutes in the store no more than 20 minutes in the store like that my mind was made up so when we got to that minute 15 and i knew that it was going to take you know time to go and check out i was already at my my thermometer of irritation was already almost maxed out so then i turned into the person that was like okay i'm ready and then what she does she has this these moments of indecisiveness so one minute she'll be like okay so i'm gonna get this and then we're almost where we're at. And then she's oh, never mind. I think I'm going to get that. And so that I was noticing. Normally I could deal with it because I'm, I'm used to that. I have another child that does the same thing. So I've been trained for this. But at the same time, today was not the day. So I'm looking and I'm like, are you sure? So then she thought about it again. And then she's like, no, I'm going to go back. Okay, so go do that. While you're doing that, I'm heading to the checkout. So then I did that and I thought about it after we got in the car, got situated. And I was like, I did not give her the same measure of patience that I, I didn't give her the same measure of patience that she gave me. And what I'm starting to realize is don't do stuff when you know that you like, if you already know that you're at your at the top of your tolerance level, don't add something else onto it because when you do that, that's what's gonna make you explode, go off, get frustrated, say the wrong thing, communicate the wrong thing, and it's not gonna be in love because you started off already irritated and then you added more responsibilities to the irritation. So yeah, I had to check myself on that one. I thank God for my children because children, I believe, this is just my opinion, I believe our children teach us how to be better people. I really, really do. There's been times that I've had to apologize to my children. There's been times that I have falsely accused my children. I'd be like, who took the last da 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 And then I find out later it was hidden up under something in the refrigerator. I'm like, oh, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. And so I pretty much, my baby just came in. <laughs> Um, so I pretty much have just got to the point that I'm just like, okay, mm -mm, mm -mm. you got to work on this, Teresa. You just, you know, but I thank God for my kids because they teach me. They teach me the areas that I need to work on. But nevertheless, the man that God sends to me must be patient because I already see, I just see, I see that I could be a handful. Period and point blank. I see that I could be a handful. There's no way of getting around that. There's no way of getting around that. I want what I want when I want it. 
I'm spoiled, but I have spoiled myself. Like I, I trust me, I know what my issues are. But um, so yes, so I, I'm gonna conclude this, but and I probably just started ranting and raving, so I'm so sorry if I did that, y'all. <laughs> I was talking about communication. Hopefully that was a great example of communicating, because yes, I noticed that my patience, I wasn't patient today. I communicated to her to wait, but then when it came to me, I was impatient. And so, yeah, let's work on our communication because it is a virtue, whether or not it's listed in the Bible or not. <laughs> communication is still a virtue. So I hope that y'all have a blessed and wonderful evening. And y'all know what I do. Once I close, I am going to read a letter that I wrote to my future hubby. It is dated February the 22nd of 21. And it says... Dear future hubby, what's bothering you? And have you tried to check in with self to figure out why? I was recently a part of a conversation where the young lady confessed that she'd got um, gotten into a little spat with her significant other. The reason? Well, according to her, she's spoken to him about some of her triggers only for him to joke about one of those triggers weeks later. And this pissed her off. But why? Was it because she had communicated to him openly about what her triggers were and expected him to empathize with her to the point that he wouldn't trigger her in the same way? Or was it because he appeared to be insensitive to the information she had shared with him or could it be that she still has a little work to do in that area of her life? One question I never thought to ask myself in the past was, why is a trigger even a trigger for me? Well, the more consciously aware I become, questions like these begin to come to the surface. One trigger I can name off the bat is con condescending undertones. It used to really get under my skin and sometimes it still does when I would ask a question and I would receive a condescending response that haven't we already gone over this 400 times, 422 days ago? I can't believe you are asking me about this again. Attitude. Woosa has become one of my favorite go-tos. Breathing in and breathing out in order for me to avoid telling the person how I really feel, allowing myself the opportunity to view things from their perspective. Maybe they are the kind of person who has so much on their plate right now that repeating themselves on any level is the last thing they wanna do. Maybe they have a deadline and I just interrupted it with my question, you name it. Whatever the reason, I can still decide not to take their response so personally and or literally. Recently, I asked a person to clarify something for me. Her response was, I went over this a few weeks back, but you weren't present. So I understand why you don't know the answer. Yes, you heard me correctly. Instead of responding with the same energy that was given to me, I responded by saying, Thank you. I bring this example up because I understand that in a relationship, we will have moments where we feel as if 
we are being neglected or that our spouse is being condescending toward us. There may even be moments where we are being condescending towards um, our spouse. Maybe because we are tired of repeating ourselves. Maybe because we feel as if our spouse should know our triggers and do everything within their power to avoid igniting those triggers. Or maybe these situations occur to let us know that there is more self-work to be done. There is more healing within required. There is more forgiveness of self required. There is more forgiveness of others needed. I need you to know that I won't always make a perfect score. Learning is a process. In learning about you, future hubby, I will continue to learn more about myself. However, I also understand that you will not always make a perfect score. What I pray that will help to set our union apart from others' unions is the vow to keep the integrity of our union intact. Whether you push a trigger within me or vice versa, whether I respond with the condescending undertone or vice versa. However, let's promise to continue to do the work collaborating collaboratively and individually. Let's hold one another accountable. Isn't that what purpose partners do? Isn't this what best friends do? Isn't this what soulmates do? I'm willing to keep doing the work. I hope you are too. I love you. Love, Teresa. So I hope that y'all have a blessed and wonderful evening or morning whenever it is that you hear this episode. And y'all do me a huge favor. Oh, let me back up real quick before I say that. So today was a bittersweet day. What I noticed, and I was very mindful of it, I noticed that my heart was heavy all day long. And so I operated throughout the day consciously aware that I'm still grieving, but I still went and went forth. I still went forth. I was slow in it. The process was slow, but I still went forth. And so for those of you that are mourning the loss of your loved ones, those of you that are like, oh my God, it's been five years and my heart's still heavy. For those of you that are letting the outside world dictate to you when you should stop grieving, Shut that voice down. Take all the time you need. There's going to be some good days. There's going to be some bad days. There's going to be some, I don't know how I'm going to make it through the day days. However, don't allow someone who does not know the magnitude of your pain dictate to you how long it's supposed to take for you to not grieve because my understanding is although the person is no longer physically there, there is still a void. And when there's a void, there's memories also. But when there's a void, we can't, we don't know how long it's going to take. You just learn how to, you create a new normal. You literally create a new normal, a way of functioning without their physical presence, but the pain is still there. So you take all the time that you need to grieve. And yes, you may do just like I did today. You went, you go, you go forth in the day, but 
you still feel the heaviness on your heart. And that is truly okay. That is truly okay. But don't ever let anyone make you feel guilty because you are grieving the loss of your loved one. They don't know the level of your pain. They don't know the magnitude of your pain. They don't know the hole that was left in your heart once you lost your loved one. So be encouraged. And then there was something else that I was going to share with y'all, but all of a sudden, oh, we got our water back. Thank you, Jesus. We got our water back. Woo. So for everyone that lifted us up in prayer, thank you so much because we got our water back. And first it was on today, like two o'clock, and then it went off after an hour. And then now this evening it has been on the whole time. So thank you for the prayers. Um, the prayers of the righteous availeth much. So we are grateful for our water and we are grateful for the prayers. And one last thing, y'all. Okay, now I'm being really transparent. Let me tell y'all. This is how I know that I've been going through for the past week, two weeks, really. A little bit over two weeks, truth be told. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. But y'all, when I tell you today, when I, I went during my lunch break to go get groceries, I looked in the rear view mirror. Don't ask me why, because I don't even know what I was looking in the rear view mirror for. Definitely wouldn't for no to see if no cars were coming. I think I just looked to like check myself before I went in the store. My hand to God. I did not have 20 to 30 gray hairs two and a half weeks ago. I looked in that rear view mirror today and I saw 25 to 30 new gray hairs. <laughs> So either this is working with the podcast because we are real and we are wise, raw, <laughs> or I have been stressed all the way out and my hair is showing it. Either way it goes, I hope that y'all have, have a blessed and wonderful evening and do me a huge favor. Please take care of yourself because there is only one you. Signing out, your girl, Teresa. Bye. Y'all have a good one.